Football, baby! Welcome into episode 61 of the Losing Sucks Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, as always, Dustin Blanton, along with my trusty co-host, Travis Masterson. Travis, we are lucky enough to have with us today on episode 61. You've seen him on the interwebs. You've seen him talking. You've seen him uh, championing. Championing championing Travis (laughs) I got that word out well you have seen him championing things such as his best 10 score and you've seen his famous line that end of year stats are lazy stats we've got Dennis Michelson on the podcast today D D Mike on Twitter you know he champions using the scientific method to guide his process. We love a new perspective and a chance to learn more from him and all of his wisdom that he brings with him. You can catch him on scienceoffantasyfootball.com and the Science of Fantasy podcast. Dennis, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you for joining us. Well, Dustin, it's great to be here. I know I've uh, ticked a few people off with my <laughs> old saying that year-end stats are lazy stats but let's face it some of us like to be lazy and some of us don't do the work and then there's others that uh well statistics we spend way too much time on them that's right. i i was one of the stop. i was one of the first actually when we started <laughs> losing sucks about a year ago and I was on Twitter. I think we had maybe 100, 200 followers. And I I kept seeing your responses to people. And I was like, oh, who is this guy? <laughs> and he's telling everybody they're lazy. And and then I would put I would put stats out thinking that I'm doing something for the fantasy community by basically repeating who finished where. And, and then you, you tweeted at me saying, this doesn't help anybody. This just says who didn't get hurt. And I'm like, all right, who is this guy? And yeah, now looking back this. on it, I'm like, this guy was right all along. That was such a lazy right. thing to do. Well, and here's the thing, folks, is uh, I've been doing this forever. Okay. It doesn't mean I'm better at it than the guys that have just come along, but I've been playing with NFL stats. I've been trying to do predictions of year-end stats for longer than most people on Twitter have been alive. Yeah. And so, (laughs) you know, you do it for 35 years, you know, and if you want to take it back to the extreme, uh, I was playing a form of fantasy football in 1975. So, you know, yeah, (laughs) it's it's crazy. We're, we played, we played a game called six packs where we picked six players each. Okay. There's six guys, six players each, six packs. You know, we were teenagers. We were stupid. All we counted was who scored the most touchdowns. That's it. We didn't count yards, didn't count anything, just how many touchdowns. I feel like you should bring that back. Oh, it'd be fun. It would. You score the most most touchdowns, you win. Okay? It sounds like a standard fantasy football league. Um, it's like so OPPR. stupid. It was so so simple. <laughs> it was easy. But guys like Chuck Foreman, you know, were the big stars sure. of that. Walter Payton, you know. Right. I've heard of that But, guy. yeah, so those are the guys that we're, we're drafting. But, you know, that's how long I've been doing this. 
And wow. it doesn't mean it doesn't mean I'm better at it just because I've been doing it for a long time. But I've right. learned a lot of the lessons that other folks learn along the way. And hey, when yeah. I started doing projections, it took me about 12 years to figure out that year end stats were yeah. deceiving and they were basically worthless. They really didn't do what awesome. we needed to do. You know, I'm excited to dive into that because that's one of the things behind the scenes, Travis and I have gone back and forth talking about your method of talking to people and interacting with people, and just the, <laughs> the things that, that you bring to the table. And honestly, you know, you'll get some kickback from some people and some people either they'll see the, the process and you do a good job of explaining the process and we'll get into that as well. Um, but the big thing that we, you know, mentioned at the top of the show and that you bring with you is you talked about, you know, bringing the scientific method into fantasy football. And, you know, we wanted to really, a big reason of having you on, we wanted to give you that opportunity to explain it to everyone, all of our listeners, what exactly that means, because you back up everything you say, because like you said, you've played this a, a, a long time and you understand your process well. Um, how does the scientific method play into how you've developed this perspective on the game? Yeah, I've been playing so long, I actually had hair when I started, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> So I'm a meteorologist, okay? That's my training, was as a meteorologist. My partner in crime over at scienceoffantasyfootball.com, and, and quite frankly, I'll be perfectly honest, we knew that the fake pigskin where we were riding was dying. The pig was on his deathbed. <laughs> By the way, the, the pulled pork sandwiches at the memorial were fantastic. Delicious. But we, we <laughs> knew the that the pig... <laughs> We knew the pig was going away. And when we started up our own thing, we realized that my my partner in crime, Professor John Bush, he's a biology professor. He really is a PhD. He really is wow. a professor. He teaches uh, biology down in Arkansas. So as a biologist and a meteorologist, we kind of got together and we're like, well, heck, what are we going to call it? Call it the science of fantasy football. Because what it means to use the scientific method is, is really simple and everybody can use it. You don't have to be a scientist. That's the great thing about it is it's just about the way you get to an answer. And the scientific method is all about having a question, having a hypothesis of what that the solution to this problem might be, and then coming up with a numerical way a statistical way in the case of fantasy football to prove whether your theory is right or wrong but Dennis, it's the the difference between that and what a lot of people do with stats is they use statistics to to support their belief that a particular yes. player is the best player in the league <laughs> yeah okay and and that is using statistics the way a drunk uses a light pole <laughs> <laughs> a drunk doesn't use the light pole to give him illumination of what's great. He just hangs on to it and oh, uses that's it so for good. support. That's so good because we have this argument all the time. Travis, what like you always it's always anytime there's an argument between the two of us, it's always well, you know, Zeke has had X amount of points per game or or this person like was running back fifteen last year and it's, it's always like how do you like yeah, that's that's the past, but but you're telling me and you're telling Travis that that's not the entire case. That's, that's no. not everything. No, it isn't because I, I think it has its place. I think it has a role. The, the biggest role for me is when you're playing in home leagues 
and you have the fact of, and it is a fact that they finished there, but there's more layers to it, which is what you're, you're going to explain. But surface level with your home leagues, if you say this guy was RB7 or RB15, whatever the case is, that holds weight. If you're selling something in a trade, you're getting the RB7, but there's always more to it. That's a, a different level of fantasy, which is why we're so intrigued by your method and, and watching like your responses on Twitter. Twitter's tough because our generation doesn't have the patience to <laughs> to have a full conversation, you know, 140, 200 characters at a time because they click yeah, off yeah. to a different app or they're doing something else and they forget to come back yeah. to it. Onto a new conversation. It's where different. Do, where is he at in your it. ranks? And let me move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and here's here's the thing, guys. If we were playing fantasy football the way you used to play rotisserie baseball, okay? Mm-hmm. Fantasy baseball was a rotisserie league. It was called that because there were ten statistical categories, and you counted the stats for every one. Mm-hmm. If we played fantasy football that way, okay? If we went ahead and we graded players just on total number of points at the end of the year, and even in best ball, we don't do that, right? Because best ball, we only grade the players on a weekly score, add all those scores up and come up with the points. But imagine if we graded fantasy football different and we just said, okay, you're going to pick your team. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to set a lineup, so it's similar to best ball. And whoever scores the most points in the season is going to win this league. Then year-end stats would matter because right. then you would have, you know, th- why year-end stats don't matter is if I'm playing player X and I get 10 great games out of him and he gets hurt, do I take a zero or do I get to substitute somebody for the next six games? This is what's that's, so hard for my mind to, yes, to wrap around. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, so that's how this whole process came about. But I started the way everybody else did. I thought, hey, everybody's doing year-end projections. I got to do year-end projections. And right. what happened was this. In about year – it was actually year 12 of doing year-end projections – I was getting great at it. And all of a sudden, I'm within, you know, a few percent on a majority of the players. And I look at my bankroll at the end of the year, and I'm going, damn, I just barely made a profit? I'm I'm right Right. on the money. And I made a profit that was so minuscule. And I said, there's got to be a better way. And that's how I started on this journey to where I am today. You know what? That's that's such a great point because at the end of the day, it's – it's how is it beneficial for you, the actual player? You know, it's all great and rosy until we're all just talking ourselves in circles about, oh, this value, this value, this value. And then at some point, fantasy football has to be played and money's got to be made. So that's a that's a good point. And, you know, you you say that you've got this different way of looking at it and, and how it kind of developed. One thing that you mentioned in your introducing weekly values article that's up on your, your website um, you mentioned your best 10 score, which I found really fascinating because it's a, you, know, you use it as almost a, pr- a predictor. You know, it, it kind of gives credence to your, your thought process of it's a weekly game, not a yearly game. So my question is, how, how is this more of a predictor, more or less of a predictor in fantasy football than let's say something that um, is more mainstream like points per game or something like that? Um, 
how, like, how do you break it down and how do you use it? Um, and is it more beneficial? It, it is more beneficial to me. And I'll kind of give you the quick way, the way it was bored is, you know, I, I did math. Okay. And I was I thinking, oh yeah, is. points per game. That's, that's what it's going to be. But you have to grade the points per game on the games that are full games only. Okay. Right. So that's what I started first doing. And I'm looking at just the full games played for each player and I'm averaging them out and I'm taking the points per game and I'm going there. That's, a, that's the number I want because most people are too lazy to do that. They look at the points per game and they just average it out, whatever's on the website. And if that guy played one snap, he got one, he got that game. Well, one snap versus 30 snaps is right. not the same. So you only have to look at complete games. If all you did was look at complete games played and calculated your own points per game, that would be better. But let me do a little math score for you and a little math test for you. So okay. 20, 20 plus 1 mm-hmm. plus 20 okay. plus 1, okay, 42, okay. right? That's equal to 10, 10, 10, and 12. Which player would you rather have on your team? Would you rather have the guy that scored 20 points one week, one point next week, 20 points, and then one? Depends now on that's... when I'm playing Travis. When you put it like, <laughs> see, before this interview even, I would have probably said, give me the guy who's getting 10 to 12 consistently. But yes. when you say it like that, the person but... who's getting those two weeks that you're getting 20 – You've got a high, high chance of winning that week. But the weeks you have won, you have a high chance of losing that week. Right. So so which, which one is more which one would you prefer? I would prefer the it depends on the format of the league. See, if I'm in best ball, if I'm in best ball, I want a league full of guys that are twenty yeah. point guys, one high point, variance guys. Twenty yeah. can one. alternate. I don't yeah. care. Correct. I don't care about the variance because the, the odds are going to be that the, the great guys are not going to have their great weeks all at the same time as the other great guys. There's okay. going to be some variance to mix it up. But if I am in, I play in a lot of leagues, and, and here's where you have to develop a statistical method that matches the kind of leagues you play. I play in a lot of super flex dynasty where we play multiple flex positions. So you have more starters in the game. And if you have more starters in the game and you have more teams in the league, you have more players in play every week, okay? Right. When more players are in play every week, having some consistent players helps you win matchups because there'll be guys that I'll go up against and, you know, my fourth flex, you know, I've got my super flex quarterbacks and I believe in going heavy quarterback in super flex. I want to have the studs. Right. In Superflex, I'll patch and fill at other positions, but I want good quarterbacks. So my quarterback matchup, I usually will win. My running back matchup, eh, I don't really care because running backs get hurt so often. I'll patch and fill. Hey, I won a league with Jarrett Peter Patterson yep. and Dare Ogilwinbala <laughs> yeah, last year. So Whoa, you can right. find running backs to patch and fill, but you cannot yeah. find – those solid 10-point wide receiver guys. It's so hard if to I, argue that. Yeah. So if I'm playing in a lot of multi-flex leagues where I've got more players in, in play, 
I want the guys that are going to be 10, 10, 10, 12 every week. I want consistency over anything else. If I'm playing in a standard ESPN, one quarterback, one flex, and only two starters at running back and wide receiver, I want the upside guy because, especially in the playoffs, I'm going to roll the dice on the upside guys. Now, the joy of what I developed with best 10 is I simply said, and, and the crazy thing about what the professor and I are doing with science and fantasy football is we show you the process. So you can do, you can steal all you want yeah. as far as the process goes. We just know you're not going to be, you know, you're going to be too lazy to do the math. But. Exactly. And you <laughs> said that in the article. In the article, it was like, you're welcome to use this, but you Here's won't. This tool. <laughs> you're too yeah, lazy and, to use and, it. But, but the key is we're scientists, okay? So we show all of our data. We show all of our research because our goal is to make everybody a better fantasy football player, even though it's going to hurt my bankroll at the end of the year, maybe for people that are reading, you know, it's the process, the math, the the scientific process says you help everybody get back. You advance the science of fantasy football because fantasy football is all about numbers. Guys, it's Mm -hmm. all about numbers. And if you figure out a better way, of, of managing the numbers. Like, I mean, there's so many great websites out there, football right. guys. If you read the research that has been done by football guys, and a lot of the football guys that I read back in the late 90s are now doing their own thing or on Sirius XM right. or, you know, do it. They're everywhere. But those original guys like Dave Dodds and Bob Lung and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, they're all over the place now. They're the they're right. the brainiacs of this business because they've seen it and done it all. But right. the goal is to show the research, show the process, so people can get to the next level. Good point. Good point. Travis, Are you going to be at the were... expo? I am not going to make the expo, okay. guys. I have. I was planning on being there this year, but. Uh, I have to MC the pre-show for a for a demo derby at a county fair. Now that is <laughs> Whoa, that's unbelievable. That but Whoa. no, it wasn't a case of passing it up. It was about it was about the day job taking precedent over oh, I got the you. fun job. But yeah, I'm a Monday through Friday. I'm a, the morning show host of WITY okay. Radio in Danville, Illinois. Uh, you can it. listen to us online at WITYradio.com and be annoyed by me uh, Monday cool. through Friday, in addition to being annoyed on Twitter. But now we're <laughs> our biggest fair of the year is is uh, coming up, the Georgetown Fair. It's one of our biggest Ooh. shows of the, of the year. I get to call everything from a, uh, a barnyard pull, tractor pull, uh, get oh, to wow. work that to uh, live to play by play. The, Interviewing the fair. Yes, I get to do play-by-play of a tractor. <laughs> Luckily, I've got a guy who's the encyclopedia of tractors, Russell Boer. He knows more about tractors than anybody else. But anyway, I won't make it to the uh, to the expo. I had to cancel at the last minute. Uh, between that and my Frisbee football team going to the playoffs, it's been a busy summer. Man, well, I am excited <laughs> to see the scores roll in from my fantasy tractor-pulling league. Um, that, that is – that that goes without saying. Yeah, do you um, use the best ten method? <laughs> <laughs> there, there, you get a simple method. Whoever's belching the most black smoke is probably gonna <laughs> That's win. That's right. That's right. 
Oh, man. You know, all right. So for some of our listeners, so they play in some dynasty leagues. And so they're very, very hyped up on, on rookies. Myself being one of those people. Um, how do you... How do you rank rookies? Obviously, since your best 10 score takes into consideration previous um, scoring from you know a couple seasons back, how do you go about projecting rookies, or how do they fit into your you know what you're you're looking to do weekly? Um, because obviously, you can't just sit them at the bottom and say, "Oh, they haven't played football, so they're bad." No, no, so and it's, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't draft rookies. I don't do it. I'm allergic to rookies in redraft. I oh, really no. am. I really oh, my am. Oh, gosh. Because, because here's Amazing. the thing. Amazing. Um, can you for, say it again? <laughs> I'm allergic no. to rookies in redraft. Yes. I'll never take a, a rookie quarterback in redraft ever. Okay? Never, okay. ever, ever. Because there's just too many other options that are out there. Even in a super flex league, I'd rather have – a safe second quarterback like a Kirk Cousins. He's not exciting. Right. He's not sexy. No. But you know what you're going to get from him as your second quarterback. That dude is in a super flex milk. league. I'll tell you that. Yeah, versus taking a shot at a Zach Wilson last year or a Mac Jones or anybody. I right. In all of my super flex dynasty leagues, I was getting quite uh, a bit of ridicule last year Ooh. for saying that I would take – Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts over any of these quarterbacks, even in a dynasty super flex. Whoa. So, yeah. Yeah. And even and as it Jamar turned Chase out, forgetting how to catch the ball, you went and uh, took that take. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's in, in trade, you know, this year, Traylon Burks can't breathe. And, mm-hmm. you know, who else? Yeah. I mean, it's, I never listened to the camp crap. You know, yeah. I, I mean, went he's on to a ventilator my... from what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> By and now. Then, and, and Vilas Jones qualified for AARP, I hear. So yeah, I've um, actually heard great things from him. I've got a I've got a buddy who reports on the Bears, and he uh, he's been telling yeah. me that Vilas Jones is his top top guy out of granted out of Byron Pringle and Nikhil Harry. He's at the top of that esteemed list, you know. That's <laughs> that's why I love. Uh, you know, my strategy is is really different. I love to take a lot of rookies in uh, dynasty leagues. Even in startups, because after a certain point in a draft, okay, then you're looking for upside. Early in the draft, I will pass on rookies in redraft. First eight or nine rounds, I'll usually pass on those rookies. There's a few exceptions, and the exceptions are guys like Brees Hall, who I really like this year. because. I'm either about to go insane or the Jets are going to actually have a football team this year. Right. Um, I'm excited about the Jets. Yeah. So I'm excited about the Jets. I think the Jets are going to actually be a team this year. I have a feeling the coach is really good. And, you know, they got a lot out of that team last year with a really abysmal offensive line. They've got to be better this year and the offensive line. But getting back to your point, which was a very good point, how do you rate rookies? That's a great question. Um, And how do we rank rookies if we're doing projections of year-end stats? We're also guessing a lot, right? But in best 10, we actually have a little advantage with weekly values because we have established established values of the guy that was in that position the year before. Whoa. So in other words, yeah. So in other words, with the Jets, we have Michael Carter. Mm -hmm. Michael Carter scored and established a weekly value after the season went. It wasn't great. It wasn't horrible. 
So if you're the Jets and you ins- you go ahead and you draft a guy pretty high at running back, do you expect right. that that guy will be better or worse than Michael Carter? I would hope he'd be better. It's hard to be much worse. You'd expect him to be better. Right. So the question is, you take a guess at how much better he's going to be. And now here's where the mind-blowing second fact about fantasy football comes into play. You don't have to be perfect on your projections to make money in fantasy football. You simply what? have to be you simply have to be better than the consensus on a player. Right. So last year, for instance, I had Cooper Cup ranked my top side had him uh, WR four and my mm-hmm. worst had him WR ten. His ADP was worse than that. He ended up on eighty plus percent of my teams last year. Oh my gosh. I was wrong. I was wrong on him by a huge margin. I was embarrassingly off on my weekly value projection for Cooper Cup. Nobody saw that coming. I was better than consensus, so I cashed in. Two years ago with Aaron Rodgers, I was I was way off on Aaron Rodgers' great season, you know, his last mm-hmm. great season. Last year wasn't bad. But two years ago, of course, he had that big year. I was off on him, but I had him ranked as my QB3 that year. Oh, wow. He was going like 7th, 10th, you know, in, depending wow. on the league you were drafting in. So I was at, I was, had 80% exposure to to Aaron Rodgers at a cheap Man, price, and I and I cashed in. All you got to do is be better than the consensus. You do not have to be correct, yeah. and that's where my weather forecasting skills actually came in. To play yeah, how on this does because... how does that tie in? How like how do, how do you go from like man, you know what? On my on my days at work, typically I like looking at clouds, and when when there are no clouds, I like to look at footballs. Like how does tie this together for me? How, it's how... data. It's just okay. a bunch of numbers. Okay? okay. So weather forecasters, not to be confused with the pretty boys and girls on TV, who who are just weather people their weather personalities right the the real weather forecasters down in the trenches and i have been told that i have a face for radio so i'm in the right <laughs> profession i was i tried to be like a tv weather i tried to be a tv weatherman and the agent <laughs> said to me kid this is back when i had hair and i was young he says kid you're not gonna go very far in this tv business you got a face for radio so oh anyway, I, I embrace that, and, and my wife thinks I'm cute. So that's all I got. Going that's on. all. There I got. you go. But but no, but weather forecasting is really data analysis. That's all it is. I mean, you can statistical models of the atmosphere give us a bunch of numbers to look at. They're all gibberish until you understand them, until you analyze them. Um, until then, there's just this huge pile of numbers. So you learn how to analyze it. And when I worked for United Airlines, which was like the New York Yankees of weather offices back in the day, uh, I was this young pup, you know, first big storm on the job. And I missed a typhoon forecast for Japan. I missed it by 150 miles. And I got a write-up in the company newspaper about how great of a forecast it was. Because <laughs> not by because your standards, I, though. I, no, I had it farther out to sea than any oh other goodness. than the Japanese Weather Service or the U.S. Navy, the other two big 
forecasting outfits. That's incredible. I, they missed by over 250 miles. I missed <laughs> by 150 miles. And wow. so I was better than consensus, and I gave a forecast briefing that told the airline how to make money off of flying around this storm and dealing wow. with this storm. I gave them a very conservative operational plan based on my forecast. My forecast ended up not working out. It was it was better. The weather was better than forecast. But because I gave them an operational window, it worked. Wow. Same thing with fantasy football. But here's the thing, guys. I probably learned more about data analysis at the horse race tracks with my dad as a kid. I was, I was, I heard that when I was listening yeah. to your podcast earlier this week. Horse like, race. Oh, he's, no, yeah. you're predicting everything. It's, <laughs> That's so, awesome. So when I, yeah, so when I was when I was 16 years old, my dad was a big horse race fan. I used to like to hang out at the track with him, and I looked at what happened and i looked at the numbers in the program and i was a geeky kid i was on my way to being a meteorologist for crying out loud who at 16 years go. old is loving being meteorologist so <laughs> it's the dream I, for every kid I mean, <laughs> it is, you know, <laughs> hey johnny wants to be a fireman dennis wants yeah. to be a meteorologist yeah. <laughs> so anyway it was it was the same thing it was just this pile of data and so i just started Man. going through these programs and i read this this cool book that talked about putting figures on races and what these meant, but it wasn't looking at the end times. It was looking at what happened in the segments of the race. Sound familiar? Weekly values, the yes. segments of <laughs> yeah. a season. So anyway, wow. I, I started handicapping horses officially when I was 16 years old. I was so young they had to put my dad's name on the program for the because uh, <laughs> a friend of his was a tip sheet guy, uh, and uh, Len Sokol d d saw what I was doing because my dad gave him this whole write up that I did about handicapping harness racing. He says this is brilliant. When my son, who's the handicapper, Norm Sokol, goes on vacation for his two weeks every year, you're the forecaster, you're the handicapper for sportsman's park this year and for three summers i did that but the first wow. two summers i was too young to uh to, to have my name on it because i was underage but but it Incredible. was it was hilarious because it was numbers it was just numbers and that's what fantasy football right. is but it's understanding percentages and it's understanding the numbers that count in harness racing the final times of the race are what everybody looks at the, if a horse goes one, you know, back in the day, 156 and two was a fabulous race. And if a horse went 156 and two, but the other horse went 157 and four, everybody bet on the horse that went 156 and two. I'd bet on the horse that went 157 and four because he ran a 28 second last quarter and gained nice. five lengths on the field. It was a pace handicapping. You I mean, as you know, race. though, end of yeah. race stats are lazy stats, though. So like, there you go. <laughs> that, is, that is what I've learned about yeah, horse but, racing. <laughs> exactly. And it's it, and that's why the the stats, you know, that you see for for flat racing for thoroughbreds, right. you'll see speed rankings. You'll see buyers speed figures. Because the track is always a different speed. So they try to analyze that and come out with a speed figure. In harness racing, end speed, the final race speed, isn't as important as it is in thoroughbred racing. And again, 
that's where I learned that you play to the rules of your league in fantasy football. That's right. That's very because true. you have to understand your league rules before you can understand how to attack that league. That's smart. It's true. I listened to, I think it was three episodes ago, um, and you mentioned that you were in a 14-team draft at the moment of recording. Yeah. And you were, I think, seven or eight rounds in, and you had yet to draft a quarterback. You were currently waiting, <laughs> hoping that Kareem Hunt would fall and be your yeah. RB1. I'm curious yep. how that ended up. I, the names that you said that you had taken, <laughs> that you couldn't pass for a running back, oh. like Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson, are some yep. of our favorite guys. I've been on Allen Robinson for a long for months now, since the day he was traded there, I said he's a top 15 oh, guy. Yeah, Allen Robinson is a guy that I really like. Uh, he's my WR20 uh, this year. Okay. So, again, I don't have okay. to be perfect. If he ends up being anything better than 20th, I'm celebrating because he's on so many of my teams. But, yeah, the um, the roster that I ended up putting together for that team ended up being pretty awesome. And again, yeah, Kareem Hunt's like one of my so early he, so he did backs. fall. So he did fall. Okay. I got him. So thankfully, but uh, but yeah, I, I I end up with a kind of a mess in that league. But I'll I'll take the mess. I think I'll do okay yeah. with that league. It's uh, it was a tough yeah. league, and it was and it was again. It was one of these deals where the rules are different. Yeah, they so, were yeah. funky. They were they were funky. Every well, every I, time you would say a new rule, really? I'm like, oh my gosh. So they're they're heavy for yardage for running backs. Okay, so it would have been fine to take, you know, Jonathan Taylor if he had been available. But I was yeah. drafting at the end of the draft, so I went with guys that I thought were value. I went Jamar Chase. I couldn't believe he was available wow. in the second round. But Incredible. I noticed a kink in the rules. There's a point for every 15 yards of passing yardage. Ooh. Okay. A little bit of and a it, Yeah, and six points for TDs. So oh, I, took, okay. I took Mahomes because Mahomes is going to yeah. be throwing. Yeah. And you know Mahomes is going to have a lot of 300-yard games. Why? Because he always has a lot of 300-yard games. That's I right. know Tyreek Hill is gone. I'll say, but they they lose all their weapons, Dennis. He doesn't know how to play football if Tyreek's not on the field. That's what people forget. He's never he, he never even played football until he met Tyreek Hill. So the dip so in Mahomes ADP has been wild. Oh, to it's watch. been crazy. It's been crazy. But look at these stats from the first half of this season last year. The league figured out this offense. Yeah, that yeah. was their championship winning offense. They figured this out. Tyreek is Tyreek is going to go deep and Kelsey's going to beat you over the middle. So what did they do? They shut down the middle and they shut they put two guys on Tyreek. Tyreek couldn't go to the bathroom without having two guys there. <laughs> they so struggled it was, for a little they bit. They just put he, and so what did they do? Then they learned how to dink and dunk and play the short ball and their offense improved. Right. But Dinking and dunking might work yeah. just as well when you've got three good receivers instead of one great receiver. So yeah, the the Chiefs the, the Chiefs were getting mileage out of Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson. Okay, they so were now, making fantasy owners question: Is he worth a waiver wire pickup? Demarcus oh, yeah. Robinson. Yeah, I, I, and then I, the next week you get zero. <laughs> but as a Chiefs fan, I understood that offense. That offense was designed to have one weird 
element every week to try to take the heat off of Tyreek because Tyreek would be taken out of the game for the most part. Now, you can't limit the cheetah. So the cheetah got his points, okay? But the offense struggled, so the offense had to find another option. Teams were starting to jam, trying to jam Kelsey on the line as much as they could and putting two guys on Tyreek. So every week they game-planned for one of their other guys to be a thing. And so Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle were perfect wide receivers for the Chiefs' old offense because they were great blocking wide receivers. And here's where I think fantasy football people, they don't understand. You know, I see them, oh, oh, why is that guy getting the contract? He's not as good as this other guy. I'm like, well. They don't really care about fantasy football points. They want to win games. And this guy can block. He's a good wide receiver who can block on the edge. So that's why they got uh, MVS from Green Bay. He's a big guy. He can block, and he'll be a good red zone target. Does that mean he's going to be a great fantasy football guy to have on your team? Maybe it's a late-round best ball punt, but not (laughs) solid. But Do you think now, Julio Jones is going to be a good tight end? Do you think? I actually think Julio Jones is going to get the Gronk yardage. He's going to get a lot of the Gronk type of passing. I love Julio yeah. Jones. I just picked I, him yeah. up on that same crazy team that we were talking I about. I, I, drafted I think I swung him. too far. I think I swung way too far in the the Julio the Julio you know uh, hate so to speak. I I, <laughs> I I clowned on him a lot, Dennis, and it's. Like now, like I started thinking about it yesterday. I'm like, you know, there is a good chance that he is that big body, you know, inner slot guy that they can just, you know, run seams, run option yeah. routes with, and then they don't need him to be the don't, the 20s guy. They don't need yeah. him to be the the 10, 15 yard guy. They need him in the red zone. And I am afraid that I have gone way too far, and he's going to end up with like eight touchdowns, and I'm going to look like an idiot. So here's where the weather forecaster and me comes to play again. Okay. I famously, and I, guys, I don't mean to brag. I was a fairly good <laughs> weather forecaster back in the day, but I in famously. In the Hall of Fame, so to speak. Yeah. For, for San Francisco weather, yes. I invented a system for their weather that's still being used by everybody oh, wow. in the wow. industry. So it's kind of cool. Must be hard and it was to... developed. It was developed this, with the same statistical methods that went on to build Best wow. 10. But that's oh, a whole other wow. story. Yeah, so I'm, I was a really good weather forecaster back in the day, but I famously forecasted seven inches of partly cloudy in two hours in Denver, Colorado, and I did it on the wow. day they were moving from the old airport to the new airport with all their equipment, and they got stuck in a blizzard. Oof. So it, the moral of the story is I blew a forecast really, really bad. And they the gave you absolute, the Nobel Prize. <laughs> the, the absolute worst. Yeah, I could have. The absolute worst day to make the worst forecast. And then I show up at work the next day, and I have the guts to say that the snow is going to be holding off 50 miles away from the airport. Oh so I went goodness. back to the same forecast. I have no memory card, okay? You when, trust the you're, system. You're, when you you're, trust the yes, system you build. Correct. Yeah. When you're in weather forecasting, you realize that you're going to have some horrible, horrible forecasts. Yeah. You're predicting the, the future of the weather. I once was playing basketball. I used to play at the Y, all these pickup games. 
and I'm, I, I said to a guy, I said, uh, you know, we we're talking between games and he says, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a weather forecaster. He says, that's pretty cool. I said, yeah, but it's not rocket science. And he says, rocket science is a lot easier. And I said, <laughs> what do you mean? And he says, well, I'm a rocket scientist. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he says, I'm a rocket scientist. He says, I, I go by equations of motion and equations. And I know if the, the, I build the equations right and I build the rocket right and nothing breaks, it's going up. He says, you're forecasting the future. That's a Step lot Step out of your control, yeah. So, yeah, so is, that really opened my mind. I'm like, oh, my God, you know. it's. But wow. forecasting the weather is no different than forecasting – uh, a harness race or, or a horse race or anything else it's you're going to be tra tragically wrong sometimes <laughs> you're gonna so, okay. you're gonna pick the worst horse in the race sometimes so julio jones last year was a guy that i'm thinking oh man i projected him pretty good right. and he let me down but here's why he let me down he's why i let everybody down not only was he playing through injuries but he went from a pretty high-volume passing game to a low-volume passing game. Right. And all of a sudden, he, was, he went also from being the top banana on a team to clearly being the second option on a team. So he was the section, second option okay, on a low-volume passing team. I don't but we know, had seen I, Corey Davis all, as the second option I, be fine. But Corey Davis is also a hit and miss guy. He was a huge variance to him. He would he would have great weeks. He'd have you know a twenty point week, yeah. and then he'd have that one point week. Kind of right. looks familiar to that. It does. It earlier does. lesson, doesn't it? But but when you look at nine hundred yards, or I think it was nine hundred. It was yeah. He was just shy of a thousand yards. Corey Davis was right. I remember projecting and talking about Julio last year, saying if Corey Davis is doing that. Julio should at least have a thousand yards. You would have thought so, but he didn't. And it was, you know, sometimes it was brutal. Oh, it was brutal. And sometimes offenses don't fit guys. Okay. Yeah. That's the biggest worry. And if I look at all the misses that you have with a stat tool, like best 10, mm -hmm. if you don't do the forecasting, right. If you just use the data from the previous two years, if a player is changing teams and he's changing into a worse passing situation, a worse situation for scoring points, and Julio Jones scores his points in fantasy a lot different than Corey Davis does. Mm -hmm. Okay, he just he, he was a 7 to 10 target guy in Atlanta. Right. He dominated on targets. But it wasn't, you know, that wasn't how Corey Davis was like a two target, you know, 30-yard, 40-yard play guy. Um, so, but the, the point is, Julio Jones forecast horrible last year, but right. look at that ADP this year. Man, <laughs> yeah. It's free it square time, okay? So Are you scared of Devontae Adams then in a similar switching of to a worse situation, more crowded room, worse quarterback? The, I'm he's most people's wide receiver four or five right now. For you, yeah, what's his range? Yeah, I'm forecasting a big drop in in Devonte Adams this year oh, because wow. I do look at you know the data and I say God, he's he's gonna have to be worse than he was Has to last be. year. Okay, he's got to be much worse. But here's the thing, he's coming from an unbelievable height. Right. He's got a he's got a consistency to a ten point floor. 
10-point PPR floor is how I look at consistency. Right. 97% of his games the last two years. So That's he might, insane. It's insane. <laughs> so he's going to get he's going to get the targets. So he's going to get the numbers. Wow. He's my WR3 this year, right behind Jefferson That's and Chase. You know, I put the... him in in number Damn. 3 and again, over cup. That that means I'm putting him on over cup. Yes. Wow. And it's all okay. a volume thing. Wow. See, Cooper Cup had more of his touchdowns last year. Right. He had a, such a high percentage of his touchdowns, okay? The, the, the concept of regression is real. And yeah, so it's, it's Co- Cooper Cup will come back to the pack a little bit. But sure. I've got Jefferson, Chase, Adams, Cup. Those are my top four. You know, we've talked about on the show, like, how Cooper Cup has the, the breakfast narrative. Like, is there really anything? Like, you've got, like, the, the college roommate, Devonta Adams, Derek Carr. <laughs> is there, like, a midnight Taco Bell run relationship here? <laughs> Like there has to be something between these guys that we can go like he can't fall off that much. Like maybe not maybe they're not having scones, okay, but they're having, you know, you know, <laughs> quesadillas on the side with a Baja blast and they're just having a good time going over route combinations. Like I feel like that's a that's a possibility here. I don't know. You know, <laughs> at the old weather forecast uh office we used to have some of our best evening forecasts for bad weather situations when we had a pepperoni and jalapeno pepper pizza, Ooh. but right. it didn't, it didn't mean that helped us forecast. Direct the correlation. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's correlation, correlation does causation. equal causation there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, a, it's just right. one of those things, but no, it, I do think that familiarity does pay off. You do have a favorite receiver of as, course. as a quarterback, you lean on that guy. So if they went to college together and they developed this routine together of knowing it, like two players that play together in the same sport and, and Frisbee football, just like regular football, we've got two guys on the Chicago union and Pavel Giannis, who's I, I've referred to as the Patrick Mahomes of ultimate oh and Ross Barker, whose uh, nickname is the Swiss Army Knife of Ultimate. But the two of them have been playing together so long that they know where each other's going to be on the You can field. tell immediately Every by watching. Time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so these guys play club disc, you know, all, all season long, and then they play in the pro league. So mm. their, their number of games that they've played together is certainly so many that if you've got this coherent offense that has played the same offensive system, they're going right. to be better at it. So I do think there's something to that. But is Derek Carr the same level of quarterback as Aaron Rodgers? No. That's tough. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't say he's I wouldn't say he's the level of quarterback. Uh, honestly, I mean, there's so, there's other weapons now though in in Las Vegas, so. Yeah, I, I can definitely see your point. Maybe Devontae isn't as hyper-targeted. It's going to be hard to, you know, the the market share, the target share that, he, that Devontae has had the last few years. He's not going to have to be the only one that moves the chains. He's not going to be the only one in the red zone that they're really targeting. So there, I think I think you have a good point. I think bringing him down from the top three to the top, you know, seven realistically is, is probably closer. Would you say he's – about top 10 then or what what kind of range real quick before we move on would you kind of put him in real quick yeah he's, he's my number three guy but i'm not taking him 
in the first round. Okay. okay. If he okay. falls, if he falls in the second round, if I, and this is where draft strategy all comes into play. Numbers are great. Okay. Yeah. You've got your numbers and all that. And, and I'll blow you away with one. Okay. Ooh, Deontay, John, Deontay Johnson. He's my number six wide receiver. Oh, whoa. I, oh, I gotta I'm gonna blow oh, your mind with. I'm gonna blow your mind. I'm gonna blow your. I'm gonna blow your mind. Yes, it is. Ooh. I'm gonna blow your mind with another one. Brandon oh, Cooks my. is my WR nine. Okay, yeah. I I actually like that. I've heard a couple of analysts say that they've got him twelve to fifteen, We're and he's, he's just climbing, here, climbing. And nine is and as high as I've heard. And I'm gonna continue Ooh. to blow you guys. Yeah, away just keep because drop them, drop them on the sun god. Amon Ra St. Brown. Oh, where's is my, this guy? He's wide receiver one. <laughs> number 11. Number 11. And oh, I, I was with you. you. I was with you the whole way, and you just lost me. <laughs> D-Mike. So Come on, D-Mike. <laughs> I, I love him. I will continue to blow your mind because I've got <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster at number 14. I love oh, that. Okay. Okay. And Travis I got Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore at 15, and I already told you I have Allen Robinson right. at 20. Now, here's the thing, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to draft Deontay Johnson <laughs> as the sixth wide receiver off the board because I don't, don't need to. have to. I'll wait for wow. him to fall okay, to me okay. at the right spot. So, it, But if you look at the weekly values and you look at consistency, you will notice that there's a big gap between the top five at, at wide receiver, and then it starts falling right. off. And then you've right. got this huge glut of guys from that, you know, end of the top 12 guys mm-hmm. all the way down into the low 20s. Their weekly values are skimpy. So that's why you should load up on running backs more than ever this year early, early in a yeah. draft Ooh. because the elite running backs are few and far between. Right. And after the elite guys, then there's a second tier. And after that second tier, you've got like guessing after that. Yeah. Like a Ronald so, Jones. Do you yeah. think, do you think Kelsey is worth an end of the first round pick? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and this is even though I'm forecasting Kelsey to drop 10% in weekly value this year as he gets older. Okay. Of course. Of Age course. is eventually going to grab tight ends. So I'm very conservative with my forecasts. So I've got him dropping 10% this year, which puts him as my third tight end. But having oh. said that, correct. It's going to be crazy. Mark Andrews is number one. Spicy, There's no doubt about you don't it. Think Mark that, Andrews you don't is think my Mark one. Andrews was a little inflated from no. that no. second half stretch of last year? No. Now, the second half stretch of Mark Andrews is just like people were saying years ago that this second half stretch of Derrick Henry isn't going to live up. Okay. It did for you three know, I might more not have years. Just, I he might got not hurt. have agreed. I might not have agreed had they kept Hollywood Brown, but I feel like now that they do just have those two weapons, I feel like that might be within the range of outcomes now that Mark Andrews just has that role, has that 25% and 29% almost target He's, share. He's the only. He's the best, best receiver on that team, and he isn't really a tight end. He doesn't really line up at tight end the way a traditional tight end does he's all the time. He's just open. Anyway. 
He's just open, and he's a yeah. big target. He's the favorite target of Lamar. He was the favorite tiger, tiger, target of Huntley when he was in there. Right. So he's the favorite target of whoever is alive at quarterback with right. Baltimore, and both quarterbacks are fairly good. So I've got Andrews number one. I would take him late in the first round, but I don't have to. You don't and have I would to. Take, and I would take Kelsey early in the first round and I, you know, or, or late in the first round and I have to, okay. Right, yeah, if right. I want him and I'm cool with that because even if I have him rated third in my tight ends, he's still in the elite three. And That's of right. course, more blowing you away of who's number two on my tight end list, because it's not Kyle Pitts. It Don't is... say Darren Waller. Don't no. say it. Darren Waller's on a declining on my, Thank my you. tools. Thank is you. it Kittle? He's dropped in. It is Kittle. Kittle oh, when he's okay. Kittle when he's healthy is the is probably Monster. the best tight end in the league. Yeah. When wow. he's healthy. And I, this I goes back this goes back to the whole way that, that best ten started and why it's called best ten and not best twelve or best fourteen. Right. I was sitting around the studio getting ready to do a NASCAR segment up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, WSSP. The fan. And of course, it's in the, you know, it's like late August. We're sitting there talking before, and we don't want to talk about NASCAR anymore before the broadcast. We're going to talk nope. NASCAR and racing for the next hour. So That's we're right. all sitting around. We're getting ready for our fantasy football leagues and Radio Joe and, and uh, Steve Zotke. And, you know, we're sitting there talking, and actually Sparky Pfeiffer stopped in. So we're talking to Sparky, who's a big football a guy. And, and, um, and Radio Joe says, you know, I don't know why you're, you know, you're taking this guy, you know, why are you, why do you like him? He's injury prone. And I'm like, well, first of all, I can't predict injuries. Second yeah. of all, I'd rather have this guy for 10 really good games than have a mediocre guy for seven, you know, for 16 right. back then. And it was like, oh my God, I just figured this Magic. out. I couldn't wait to get home. And and check this out. This was like six years ago. And but I was my like, brain now after talking to you is, <laughs> is because you don't get zero on the other six. Right. Yes. That that light bulb has sense. gone off tonight. And I feel <laughs> yes. like I'm a better player because of it. That's yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and this is the thing, guys, is you always have to be looking for how the game is changing too. And with running backs dropping like flies lately, I mean, they yeah. just can't seem to get a healthy season out of anybody. That's how these guys limp into an RB6 season. And, right. and Zeke Elliott was not a, is not a bad running back. He was playing hurt. So his oh. stats are deflated because he was hurt. I actually increased his weekly value this year because I know he Perfect was playing example. hurt every week. So he was good to his team cost him in the fantasy football world but finished rb6 you can't argue with that but yeah. he wasn't the yeah. sixth most valuable running back on your team but he is the the reason that i started beta testing another crazy idea that i've had mm. because running backs are so few and far between that are getting huge heavy loads now right Nobody's carrying the ball 30 times a game like they used to, and nobody's even right. getting 25 touches most games. Right. So it dawned on me, if I've got a really good offensive team, why not play them both? So in Dynasty Ooh. Leagues, I have maneuvered myself with draft picks to okay. some on some teams with good running attacks to have Aaron Jones yes. and A.J. Dillon. Yes. 
That's a great, great okay. point. I think that's a and stellar I might set. have to try that out. And this year, this year, on one of my teams, I just kind of lucked my way into having Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones. Ronald so Jones. Now I can, one now of my I can favorite play players in the NFL. Goodness. Now I can play them both every week. That's incredible. One of them starts as running back. One starts as a flex. And Ooh. if I get the max points from that team every week on a good wow. offensive team, wow. I'll take it. It's no different. It's you just no made different. Travis's day. You just made yeah, Travis's no, day. <laughs> <laughs> it's no different than playing a stack and having both wide receivers on a great passing team. Yeah, the mentality, I think, people's instant reaction to that is you're limiting your ceiling. But in season-long regular redraft leagues, you, you're you not so much worried about limiting your ceiling as you are having your high floor. And one yeah. thing that I that I discussed with Dustin last year, my I'm trying to find a formula to get to, in our league, you need 110 to 120 points a game to win. Right. If I can build a lineup that averages together 115 to 120 points a week, I'll be fine. Yeah. I need to find their their points per game. And now I'll be using your method to find their their weekly average. Build that to 120 points a game is the goal. Once you're there, be content. If that means getting eight from Dylan and 15 from Aaron Jones, it's not, well, Aaron Dillon gave you, I mean, AJ Dillon gave you single digits together. They gave you enough and then they'll flip flop next week and you're not going to miss out on that touchdown. Correct. I'm I'm a floor guy. I've always been very much a floor over high, high ceiling guy. And that's actually a good way to attack that. And it doesn't mean that, you know, Hey, you, if I can, maneuver on a dynasty team where I have, you know, a healthy Dalvin Cook and a healthy Derrick Henry. I'm going to take those two guys over playing, you know, Dylan and and Jones. But if I don't have those guys and I'm looking at a team where eh, I got to make a decision every week and it's not a decision I'm happy with making, why not play them both? Why not limit your bleeding at running back and then pick up that edge at every other position. But you're this is right, transformational Travis. right here. Yeah, and Travis, you're exactly <laughs> you're exactly right. You have figured out what the score is that you need to post. And if you post that and somebody beats you because they have a higher score, great for them. But right. this is why in all of a lot of my leagues that I play in, especially the higher dollar value leagues in Dynasty, I love having that rule where you play a game against the median score. Yeah, yeah it's well becoming a lot more popular now. It is, it is becoming more popular, and that is – it builds it in to the guys like you and I who have figured out, I just need to score a set number of points. Right. And if I can hit that value – 80% of the time, I'm going to win enough games to make it to the playoffs. And if I make it to the playoffs in fantasy football, I can run the table and win the league. And that's what a lot of people I see in Dynasty. They're like, well, if you're not the top two teams, you just got to re- rebuild. No, injuries happen. If you make the playoffs, you can win the championship. Once you're in the dance, anything could happen. Once you're in the dance, then crazy stuff happens. Yeah. You know, you know, Dennis. One more question, because we've 
there is a player on our show that we we started championing, and you know what? The, the fantasy community has obviously come around to this guy. Um, we've had arguments that he's not, you know, other people have told us, oh, he's not Justin Jefferson, he's not Jamar Chase. We're curious where you have him as well. Um, we're, we are big fans of C.D. Lamb. We have made a case that, and I've even brought up to Travis today, was that, you know what, the, the pieces are really starting to fall into place for C.D. Lamb to have that outlier, you know, target share, you know, possibly even, you know, red zone target and, and touchdown numbers to have that outlier wide receiver one overall season. I'm curious where you have him in your ranks because we've already talked about guys like, like you know, uh, Devontae Adams. Where do you have him? And please tell us that you love him or just absolutely <laughs> destroy our, our hearts. Well, uh, yeah. Um, so here's the, here's the thing. It's, um, young wide receivers, they keep getting better for a number of years, okay? Uh, C.D. Lamb, if you look at his, uh, his weekly value just last year, Okay, and you look at the numbers that he produced, and and again, this is a this is a cold hard ranking. Yeah. It's it's gonna it's just the points add up, and they are what they are. You're gonna he hurt me. 20, I can see <laughs> he was he was the twenty eighth best wide receiver in the league last year. Okay, he only had a sixty eight percent average on hitting that ten percent or that ten point PPR. But that was a 16% improvement from the year before. Okay. I forecast a 20% improvement for him this year. Again, young player usually young players usually go up 10 to 20% without any changes. I could make a case for a 40% increase for CD so Lamb. So you're telling me there's a chance. So I've got him forecast as my WR8 right now. I, okay. I like right. solidly, solidly eighth. I'll take but, it. But he's got the capability of cracking the top three or four if everything goes perfect. Now, like everything going perfect means that Dak Prescott has to turn around what was a bad season for him last year. Right. His weekly value declined. Still a quarterback that I like. I'm heavily he didn't seem invested. comfortable. He just didn't seem at any point. He, he yeah. seemed yep. shell shocked, almost spooked by, and and I don't know how you're not by the leg injury, yeah. but another I mean, off season, another year. I, I live in Dallas. It, it, it's not cowboy fever. I just am very, very excited. I think CD lamb, yeah. the announcers are going to get tired of saying his name <laughs> to the so extent. We call him disc sheep. Like that's disc that's, sheep. Yeah. Yeah. His name is disc sheep on this show. Just uh, like Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup, like, you know, Romo's watching the game saying, it's going here, it's going here. I think that's going to be C.D. Lamb this year. I think he's going to be that guy. Yeah, he is a C. Lamb in Lamb clothing. C.D. Lamb at times last year just looked lost in a yeah. in the game. It, it's like he could be bullied maybe by the cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. They could get tough on him, and he was like, he was out of his game a little bit. But right. then he'd have these games where, he looked all world and yeah, yeah. I think we're going to see more of the all world. Here's the greatest thing. I mean, this goes back to an old thing that uh, coach McGuire used to say as a basketball analyst uh, on, on NBC college basketball games. When I was growing up, he'd say the best thing about a freshman, they become a sophomore. 
And the best thing <laughs> yes, with well young, young football players is they learn how to survive right. in the NFL. And CeeDee Lamb has put up decent stats. He hasn't been a great value in fantasy football to this point because of the lack of consistency. I, I don't see him as being a traditionally inconsistent player like Amari Cooper was. Right, right. Amari Cooper was a hit-or-miss guy when he was with Oakland and then with Dallas. His stats didn't really change much. He always had those down games where the defense could take him out of a game. Right. Or he was on the road. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So CeeDee Lamb, (laughs) I think CeeDee Lamb benefits from Cooper being out of there. Right. Uh, I don't – I actually think both Tolbert and when he comes back, Gallup are good enough to keep the the super coverage off of CeeDee Lamb. I think they can be burned enough with Gallup going deep when he's healthy. And Tolbert, I think, is going to be a decent wide receiver in the NFL. That's enough to take the heat off of off of CeeDee Lamb. Plus, they got to figure out a way to stop Schultz. I mean, Dalton Schultz was a a tight end that I really liked in the weekly values. Uh, I got a ton of him on Dynasty teams as a a result of of knowing that he was the better tight end there in Dallas. And, you know, this year his ADP is getting pretty close to where I don't want him on my redraft teams, but uh, he's still going to be a force to reckon with in real football. He, you got to stop that guy because yep. he will hurt you. Uh, he's, yeah. He does. He does well with uh, yardage after the catch for a big guy. I think that if Jason Witten can make a career out of five yarding you to death, um, <laughs> I, I think anyone can make it as a tight end. I, I truly yes. believe it. <laughs> I think uh, I also think CD Lamb's going to come back and have like a like a Michael Jordan type of like right after he was done being beat up by the bad boy Pistons. Like he's like oh, I'm going to start working out, and then he's going to come back. And I think he, I, I'm really hoping that that that's a uh, that's the the call there. I hope that's that's the prediction that that comes true but i mean good points i'm hoping that with mari cooper out of town maybe uh maybe this is his year um yeah yeah and, oh, did you what, yeah one last thing i want to i want to share with you i got a i got a little quiz for you guys Ooh, so all right um so here's the here's the joy of weekly values is that they do pick up on uh guys that showed enough to be skillful, okay? But they don't do what a lot of fantasy football guys do, which is chase points, okay? So you got this player, and I'm going to call him Player Z. I'm not going to even name him. I love this. Uh, So back in in 2020, he had four 15-point games late in the season when most of the other wide receivers went out with an injury. Okay. Last year... Let's say this same mythical player Z had uh, two more 15-point games and had a big game in the playoffs. Again, when other starting wide receivers got hurt. Right. And big finish to the season. Fantasy football players all over this guy, right? They're like, hey, I want this guy on my team because if what if? He played really good in these six games here at the end oh, of the no. year, the last two years. 
I want this guy on my team because if he has those games over, he plays a full season as a starter for 17 games. This guy's going to score. He's going to be like a top 10 wide receiver. And they draft <laughs> him like that. Oh. And then he does what? He'll disappoint you the mm-hmm. next season because guys can have these short spurts, okay? Yeah. But the difference between player Z who had these mythical great games and a fabulous game in the playoffs where he might have scored four touchdowns. (laughs) The difference between him, I'm just using a mythical four touchdowns. This guy doesn't actually exist. Not a real player. That compared to Amon Ra St. Brown, who everybody is like telling you that he only was good because nobody else was healthy. Hawkinson was out. This guy was Mm. out. That guy was out. Well, guys, he was doing it with a second-string quarterback and yeah. a third-string quarterback, and he was getting The guy 10. you're talking about? Could you imagine getting, if no, no. Amon Ra Player Z Bills? wasn't doing this, but I'm saying oh, 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 Amon oh, oh. Ra St. Brown yeah. got, got over 10 targets for six games in a row. Yeah, right. And, you know, to end his season and had a great second half of the season, the whole yeah. second half. And I, I got news for you. Hawkinson so played a couple of those games, and he yes, still was he good. But people are all out on ARSB, but this mythical player Z is going to be fabulous. And Dustin, play, do you have the initials in your head? Player oh, Z, I know exactly. Player Z is. might be fabulous, okay? But the, the point that I'm making is you look at the situations and you, right. you have to prove it to me over more than just six games over two years in order to get a good best 10 score. I have okay? zero shares of this player. You need to score consistently. <laughs> but people are on this guy every year. Yeah. And, well, and, we have, yeah. and for good reason. Player Zs, those player Zs, they look great at the end of the season. Right. People expect them to do well. But right. then we're inconsistent because then we turn around and we bash the sun god because he only did it when everybody right. was hurt. Well, the player yeah. Z did it when everybody was hurt too. But we're okay sure. with that because, hey – he had that big game in the playoffs. Right. So one big but, game will do it, man. <laughs> one big but we game. We chase we chase points, and that's how we yeah. end up with tight ends like Robert Tanyan mm-hmm. uh, on our rosters. You know, oh, he had two yeah. touchdowns, and then he didn't see the end zone for another six weeks, and then he yeah. had two touchdowns for sure. And he ground out a good good season, but he never had the weekly value. And speaking of the Sun God and the Detroit Lions, I'm actually more on. Hawkinson this year than I was last year and everybody was on Hawkinson yeah. last year and he, yeah, he were. did not pay off this year he's got the weekly value numbers backing him up from his healthy games last year he is going to be that less than elite but second guy that you want if you miss on the elite guys take Hawkinson if you miss on the guys like Hawkinson and Schultz and Goddard uh, who are going to go in those middle rounds you know after you go too early because That's everybody's right. like, oh, God, I missed out on Kelsey and Andrews. Right. Everybody, they're going to overpay for those. If you don't overpay for those, get Freermuth. Freermuth is the other tight end I really like this year. On the upside, yeah. again, he's not going to be elite, but he's going to keep you from losing a lot of points at tight end. Do you have Komet in that group with Pat? Who Please tell love me the do. kid's athleticism. He hasn't shown me the weekly value numbers, but here's again, Travis. Don't you think that's that's room for positive TD regression? Oh, absolutely. That, I mean, absolutely. that has to be the only reason. The volume is oh, there. No, absolutely. So here's the thing is 
I I do live and die by the weekly value numbers early in a draft. Okay, first five six rounds in a draft, I'm going to grab my weekly value all stars, and I'm going to be happy. Okay, once you, you get once you get past that certain point in a draft, you're past like your eighth round and later. If you're not looking for upside, you are an idiot. So if if I'm in the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh round, okay, and I'm looking at a guy and I need a tight end, and my choices are ordinary veteran, twenty-eight to thirty-two years old, who I know what his role is on the team, and I know he's gonna be he's gonna grind out that year end total that everybody's gonna love. Oh, he's tight end ten. Logan Thomas. Yeah. Tight end ten. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. He, he was he was losing out on, by seven points a game to the elite guys every game, but he ground out because he played seventeen games and stayed healthy, right. and he ground out a tight end ten. He, I'll take a Cole Komet over that guy every day of the week. Okay, because Love I that. want my guys to have the potential for upside. That's why late in a draft. I will often go for an unheralded rookie and take a swing and a miss. Sure. You got a waiver wire, use it. Yeah. Like if I'm wrong about a rookie, if I, I'm I'm taking a lot of Velas Jones this year, late for in sure. drafts. Okay, he's yeah. what he's got to beat. He's fifty out. years old. He's got he's got to beat out Mooney. So what? He can <laughs> he can take his walker out there and you there can you go. get enough. <laughs> Wait, get who, enough points. who's player Z? Is... <laughs> Oh, really? I oh. mean, we haven't said it yet. I mean, I, we know, we know, exactly we know but I, but not everybody's going to know. I want to hear the name. Well, my guess oh, would be my, ga- my guess would be Gabriel Davis, GD, the yeah. wide receiver too that should never have been mentioned. Like I can I cannot uh I cannot confirm, confirm or deny. No, that <laughs> I he get is what you're saying. I get no, what he, you're saying. All right, I get you. I get you, Des. Well, hey, that was one you've you've fundamentally changed the way that uh travis sees absolutely fantasy football which is so i i gotta tell you that in of itself is a very <laughs> difficult task we've had this argument for years i'm glad you finally broken the seal on the year-end stats or the end-all be-all we we can now move on with our fantasy football lives um <laughs> thank you so much for for the the knowledge and the the time more importantly it's been a pleasure man that was um, great uh if for those of you listening and watching at home, make sure you check out Dennis over there. Um, it's, it's got some great work over at scienceoffantasyfootball.com and the Science of Fantasy podcast. He's got some great articles if you're interested in learning more about this process. I know I'll be checking them out. Dennis, is there anything else that the people need to know before we sign off here? Yes, never stop learning in fantasy football. Um, so this is my sixth year of forecasting weekly values okay and i know it works but the professor john bush over at science of fantasy football and to give you another site to check out for frequency sake our data lab podcast which is a shorter more condensed sort of pre-chewed meal for you uh to give you an idea of what we're working on that's over at for, for frequency sake and john bush uh, the professor is is my uh, my co-host there the professor has stumbled across something really cool, and that's, that's games awesome. over median. 
and okay. we're beta testing it this year. And over at the scienceoffantasyfootball.com, we'll explain why, and we'll show you the data all season long. We're not sure, but we think this might be a big clue on Ooh. how to pick out some of those sleepers. Jalen Hurts is our number one quarterback in Ooh, games spicy. over median. So okay. it's very interesting to see that uh, that young player who some people love and some people hate and some worry if he's going to keep his starting job all season long. He's the he's our games over median superstar. It's beta tested wow. it, this year is all beta testing, just like for the last couple of years. You know, like this is the sixth year that I've been doing the weekly value forecast this is the third year I've trusted it. <laughs> so gives you an idea of where, where we're at, but, but uh, thanks for having me on guys. And thanks for Absolutely. putting up with me. I'm, I could talk a lot, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have to check back in after maybe week four, <laughs> yeah. week six and see how the rankings are going and, and what you've learned going into year seven or, or halfway through year seven, uh, and, how it's and going. Will, and I will be updating the rankings and weighting them for the 2022-2023 season. So cool. as the weeks go by, the players will have to use some of their points from this season, and it will adjust the rankings quite a bit. So Very cool. I use a two-year uh, data window when I calculate my weekly values, and it does sort of smooth the data out once we get into the season and we wait them for the current year. It makes a lot of changes. That's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. We'll we'll uh we'll make sure we include links to uh to all these things in the description of the video, and uh, we'll post the link on Twitter as well. Thank you again, Dennis, and for all you listening. Thank you so much for tuning in, staying with us. As always, losing sucks. Don't do it.